0: This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2.
1: Great to be with you for another episode of LifeWords Q&A. David Ray, Andrew Morris with you for the next 20 minutes or so. Welcome to the program, David. Thanks, Andrew. Good to be here. And ahead of us, three questions that you've uh, emailed, David, over the last few weeks. We're looking at the issues of euthanasia, also uh, husband and wives, and whether you call your husband Lord. And finally, uh, the issue of abortion. So it's a pretty meaty uh, 15 minutes. And David, let's get into it with our first question from our listener. If Christians are supposed to uh, especially care for the suffering, why are most of them opposed to euthanasia?
0: Well, it's good that the questioner recognises that most are opposed because there are some Christians who actually um, are in favour. But yeah, most are opposed, and, and let me just lay out what I think the reasons are for that. Uh, one reason is basically to do with the fact that it's God's right to end life. Um, God starts us in life, and God has the authority to end life. So when we try to take uh, over the role of ending life, we are playing God. So that's, that's one of the objections. Now, now, the critics of that objection argue that in many cases we do play God anyway. Uh, we play God by sometimes hastening the end of life. Uh, which happens in clinical circumstances, and some suggest we're playing God by keeping people alive artificially on machines. Um, there's a time to live and a time to die. So why on earth are we keeping people alive artificially, as it were? Uh, aren't we playing God there? So, so there, there's 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 some pros and cons there. Another reason is. Based on this idea, but it's also more practical, does it not open the door to getting rid of people? I think this is a lot of the Christian objection to euthanasia. It is not only that we might be playing God, but, but is it a slippery slope? Well... Um, Will doctors um, change their whole default? Their default is to preserve life, but is that default going to change? And what will that do to medical care? Um, will economics enter the debate? I yeah. mean, I mean, health costs are soaring. It costs a lot to keep people alive, um, and so we might say, "Oh no, no, economics will never come into it." Well, can we be sure in the future? And and what about relatives' pressure? Uh, can we trust a person to make such a decision even if of sound mind um, they might change their mind later on and this this idea of the relatives um, you know the kids are going to inherit a few million bucks if you die well we need that few million bucks now so how about dying a bit quicker now that might sound very cynical and crude but again we understand that human nature has got um, that tendency and um, will it lead to getting rid of human beings we deem to be less than fully? Human, I mean, there's there's people with severe disabilities. People can say, "Oh, well, look, uh, life's not worth preserving." In that case, um, let's end that life. Um, uh, but but so so the argument there is where do we draw the line, and so make decisions, um, or to put it another way, when is suffering intolerable? Now 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 again, like I said in the the first reason why Christians are opposed, there are there are critics of that proposal too, or or that approach, because critics argue that. Guidelines can be put in place to safeguard those sorts of decisions, uh, safeguard against those dangers. Medical people already make decisions about the end of life. Doctors are doing that all the time. Um, and yes, while God permits suffering and it can have some good consequences, much end of life suffering might not be like that. Has it got, What purpose has it got, uh, say the critics. Um, because they also say, and indeed much of the op- much of the proponent, many of the proponents of euthanasia advance cases, genuine cases, where someone they love is in so much pain and so much discomfort, and it's so terrible uh, that that surely, surely you can't um, oppose euthanasia because this end of life suffering is so bad. And and of course, when when Christians and others say, but ah, ah the real answer to that is palliative care. We must be careful, I think, there. Well, well, I think we'd all say what a great thing palliative care is. Um, but sadly, it seems as though in our society at the moment, in the foreseeable future, uh, there might not be enough palliative care to go around. And and, and, and and will palliative care always fix the problem of suffering? We really can't say. So, look, what I've tried to point out is, and without giving an easy answer to it, is that, yes, there are good Christian reasons good reasons for anyone to oppose euthanasia, not playing God, um, the slippery slope, what might happen in the future. But then again, there are arguments against those things. And I so see not all those who are prop- propounding or supporting euthanasia are people who have no regard for human beings, as the questioner suggests. Well, you know, they have a particular care for the suffering. And when we say, no, we're not allowed to terminate life um, uh, through euthanasia, yeah that we're not insensitive to uh the problem of suffering um it, we we don't want to be sort of saying as christians all suffering is good for the soul let these people suffer look in the end andrew it it is really a case where i have to say on this issue my head says one thing that I can see the dangers of euthanasia. But then again, my heart, when confronted with these heartbreaking sort of situations that people find themselves in, might say another thing. And that's like a lot of these deep ethical issues. We both tackle it with our head and our heart Um, uh, it's easy enough to discuss just like this as we are now uh, issues, pros and cons of euthanasia but we have to understand there are suffering human beings here Uh, however what I want to say is whatever decisions we make um, yes, face up to your emotions it's very difficult emotions involved here Uh, but at the same time keep certain principles in mind we must not make this a mere intellectual academic argument but we must neither make it a merely emotional argument either
1: You're listening to LifeWords Q&A with David Ray. You can email David uh, your questions about life and faith. The email address is lifewords at hopemedia.com.au and also subscribe to uh, this podcast through the iTunes store. You can just search for Hope Media and LifeWords Q&A. Now, David, our second question is, I've read somewhere in the Bible that it's okay for wives to call their husbands Lord. Surely this can't be right.
0: (laughs) No, well, it's true. It's in the Bible, there, 1 Peter chapter 3, if you want to be specific. Because there, um, let me just explain what the passage is. Sarah is told from the Old Testament, Sarah and Abraham, um, that from the Old Testament, Sarah called Abraham Lord. Now, the first thing to say there is the word Lord simply means sir. So she was simply showing some respect. Now, What Peter was saying in this little passage, and we've always got to understand the context of these things, rather than just taking verses out of their context, Uh, Peter is generally arguing for wives to respect their husbands, and he's especially talking to wives who are married to non-Christian, to unbelieving husbands. And so he's saying, look, you wives, don't you blooming well get on your high Christian horse and uh, show disrespect to your husbands and treat them badly because you have become a Christian and they aren't. Respect your husbands. Uh, that's what he's saying, um, and and he's using Sarah and Abraham as bit of an example. He's saying, look, Sarah, Sarah stood up for herself, but Sarah was respectful to her husband, and in those days it meant calling him Lord or Sir, but in. Peter's day, it might not have meant that. and certainly not true in our day. He's certainly not asking wives to worship their husbands or to husbands to usurp the role of Jesus. I mean, I don't think any wife in their right mind are going to call their husbands Lord and get away with it. Um, but, but I suppose the, 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 the basic concept of this verse is, no, wives aren't to call their husbands Lord, but wives, in whatever your marriage situation, respect your husbands. You see, it's part of a broader passage dealing with how newly converted women are not to use their Christ-given freedom and equality as an excuse to disrespect their husbands. Remember, this was a male-dominated society, Mm. and Peter is well aware of the need to be wise in adapting to it. He's argued elsewhere um, in this passage about fitting him as civil authorities. He said, look, the civil authorities may not always be the best, but but, hey, adapt to it, respect them. And in the same passage, interestingly enough, he warns women against making elaborate attempts at physical beauty. No braided hair, no gold jewellery, no fine clothes. Um, and, And it's not because he feels it's wrong to be physically attractive. But in the context there, he's saying it's inner beauty that should be the main focus. And of course, that's very relevant today with obsession with appearances. Um, Peter would be saying to um, women today, presumably to men as well, look, don't be so obsessed with your physical appearance that you um, take no care with your inner character. So he's not arguing against being physically attractive. He's just simply saying, uh, don't become obsessed with outward appearances. He's not literally saying, wives call your husband's lord. He is simply saying, show respect that is appropriate in your time and culture. And you see, Andrew, the the whole point of this is, and it's a good question because it, it allows us to simply say this. So much of the Bible has to be read wisely because it's written in a different culture addressing different situations. Peter was not writing to you and me today. He is not writing to 21st century women. He is not doing that. He did not know such a future existed. He is simply writing to a particular group of people in a particular situation. And yet the, the wonderful thing about the Bible through the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit enables us to read this scripture and to say, what is the abiding principle mm. as opposed to what was the then contemporary cultural application? If you take all the Bible literally in this way, you end up with a lot of nonsense, like why it's calling the husband's Lord. But if you take what is the principle by reading the Bible in its proper context, you can get the principle from it. Which, in this case, is a very good and and a principle, good principle for all time. Which is, wives respect your husbands, and and let's be also clear that Peter, in the same passage, talks about husbands doing the same thing for their wives. It's yeah, not one way.
1: It is not. Thanks, David. Life words, and I, I do think of Blackadder and Milord a little bit there, Dave. Anyway, moving on. This is Life Q and A hope you're enjoying our regular podcast with David Ray our third question david is regarding the subject of abortion i keep hearing that it's a woman's choice as to what to do with her, her own body how can a christian respond to that and here's two blokes talking about this yeah, issue. Well,
0: exactly right andrew it's so hard isn't it I'm a, I'm a male christian you're a male christian and we're discussing this it's, it seems almost improper to be doing it but but it's not actually it is an emotive and complex topic, but I think the first thing to do, before just looking at just the, the issue of abortion particularly, is I think we need to be clear that our bodies are not our own. I, I, you hear this phrase a lot. It, it, it's a woman's body to do what she likes with it. Mind you, a man could say the same thing in a different context. It's my body. I can do what I like with it. Well, in each particular case, the Christian wants to say, uh, no, I'm sorry, that's not, that, that's not so. Women who claim the right to abortion are perhaps saying they don't want others, especially men, to tell them what to do. Well, that that's understandable. Uh, but only understandable if we leave out the fact that our bodies and our whole selves belong to God and not ourselves anyway.
1: Now, and th- that makes sense for the Christian, David, doesn't it? But in a, in a world which is, is very much into I make the rules up and truth is relative to what it means to me, then this Christian message doesn't really have a good cut through these days, does it? Oh, it doesn't.
0: Um, um Andrew, Andrew, we, we we can't win this argument on that basis. Uh, I, I'm i in no way suggesting that what I've just said—that we are not our own, uh, that our bodies belong to um, the Lord—no um, way in the world is going to be accepted. Uh, and I don't, I don't, I presume it's not. That's yeah. that's why we are basically losing debates like this. And and I don't think we've got much option because we we are we are not so much just saying anti-abortion, we are simply saying, look, I'm sorry, it is not your own body. And that is even worse. That, that's that's an even bigger uh, offence to some people. Uh, as I say, those who aren't Christians, they'll reject it outright. But this is where we have to agree to disagree. Yeah. Um, now, realise that, that the issue of abortion itself, as we've, we've, we've gone over that lots of times, Christians, but um, um, if we believe abortion is morally okay, we just have to decide the best processes of facilitating it. But if we believe it isn't okay, then we not only oppose the notion that women are in charge of their own body, but we also oppose this one thing they may choose to do with their body. Because Christians, you see, many, many of them at least, see this as not just a personal choice matter, but an issue which affects the nature of life itself and how society is governed. Yeah. And you and I, we're aware of the usual aspects of this debate. At what stage does a fetus become a human in the sight of God? Interestingly, that's that's a complex topic. It's not just an easy one. Uh, are there extreme situations where some sort of abortion is justified? Christians disagree on that. Should we put more effort into adoption of babies rather than aborting them before they're born? Should we pick at abortion clinics? Um, it, 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 is this just like any other profit-making business? And so on and so on. Uh, so there's, there's, there's lots of aspects of this debate which Christians have gone into a lot. But, but the fact is that, as this question is, is doing, is putting the subject of abortion into a wider context, and that wider context is simply, um, are we accountable to God? Are we our own? And on this matter of abortion... Uh, previously we've looked at subjects like euthanasia and uh, there's all sorts of other things Uh, our diets, our exercise, all this sort of thing Christians have to say even though people won't agree with us no we're not our own we do belong to a God who made us and this God who made our body and who lives in our bodies in the person of the Holy Spirit uh, he, he, he has the ultimate say in what we do with our bodies So leaving aside the vexed issue and the very emotive issue of abortion in and of itself, uh, I would have to argue that when if a woman says, I can do what I like with my own body, I would have to say, well, actually, no, I as a man can't do what I like with my own body and nor can a woman. But it's not going to be agreed with. We know that.
1: You've been listening to LifeWords Q&A. Thanks, David, very much for your time. We'll rejoin David next week with more of your questions. If you've got a a comment, uh, some feedback, David is uh, eager to read and to commune uh, with you. So you can email lifewords at hopemedia.com.au. You can subscribe to the LifeWords podcast through the iTunes store. And you can also hop online at hope1032.com.au. And in the programs menu, you'll find LifeWords Q&A. Till next week, have a great one.